Therefore, each confidential report of yours that reaches me causes me to fear for your safety. To my own knowledge, you've more than once risked your long-life liberty in the service of your country. And I may say, without undue flattery, that you have my personal esteem and regard. Really, your lordship bestows too much praise upon my efforts, I said, quite unprepared for such words from the man, who, above all other members of the cabinet, was the most distant and austere. I said what I wanted to say for a very long time, Drew, the grave-faced chief exclaimed. Therefore, let the matter remain, now that you know my feelings. To return to your mission, you must start again for the continent tonight and ascertain what you can. No mere rumours recollect. We have sufficient of those from the embassies. What the cabinet requires is reliable information, documentary if possible. You follow me? Certainly. Then go, and take with you my best wishes for success, said his lordship, rising to dismiss me. And with that we parted, over a whisky and soda, which I always appreciate after the sloppy cognac et siphon of the Continental Café. I sat pondering for a long time beside my own fire in Guildford Street, Bloomsbury. My rooms were comfortable, and I appreciated the ease of my big grandfather chair after weeks of travelling in various guises. Unfortunately, however, I was very seldom at home. My work as a diplomatic freelance lay far afield in the various capitals of Europe. In a few hours I should again be compelled to leave Charing Cross, and old Leon, the ticket-snipper, would, as usual, wish me, "'Good night, sir. Pleasant journey.' He, like many of the railway officials, had known me through many years as one of the gentlemen of the Foreign Office, although, of course, unaware of my true calling. I had sometimes carried bulky dispatch-bags to Paris, and they therefore probably believed me to be one of the Foreign Service messengers. To decide upon a plan of campaign was difficult.' There were three cities wherein the truth would be known, Paris, Petersburg, and Berlin. But to which of them I should travel, I could not make up my mind. I took down from the shelf beside the fireplace my Almanac de Gotha, that little squat red-bound volume which Bismarck used to call the Diplomat's Bible, and glanced casually through its closely printed pages. The list of the French ministry had changed almost entirely in the three months since the almanac was printed, for the hot-headed government of the Republic, with its parliamentary bear garden opposite the Pont de la Concorde, is very unstable. One never knows from one day to another who rules France. Hence the standing menace to England and to European peace. I carefully considered all the chances. In Berlin, I might by chance learn something from my friend Laval, second secretary of the French embassy there. In Petersburg, diplomatic secrets very seldom leak out, and the difficulties were always greater there than in the other capitals. While Paris, being the centre of the anti-English movement, as agitated by Dr. Vaux from his hiding place in Brussels, whatever information I gathered there would probably be at first hand. Therefore, I decided to go to Paris, and knocking the ashes from my pipe, I put it in its rack, rose, and prepared for another attempt to baffle our enemies. Boyd, my valet, an ex-sergeant of Scotland Yard, 
I had left him Paris on my journey through from Madrid, and he was awaiting me. Therefore, I packed my traps myself, looked out certain papers of identification which I carried on occasion, and after dining, drove down to Charing Cross. It was a dirty night in the channel, and the crossing was a bad one. But early in the cold, raw morning, I stepped out at the Gare du Nord, deposited my bags in the consigne, and drove at once to our embassy, the hospitable doors of which were ever open to me. At half past seven, when Lord Barmouth's valet had taken his hot water, I was ushered up into his dressing room and found him seated in his dressing gown. Well, Drew, he inquired, what brings you here at this hour? To which query I gave a brief explanation. Ah, sighed His Excellency, a grey-headed, grey-bearded man of polished manners and one of England's most skilled diplomats.